You're listening to the CapEx Big Question podcast, where we're joined by other investors, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs discussing global game-changing trends and burning topics that keep investors up at night, one question at a time. Hi, this is Chris. I've recorded an insightful conversation with hedge fund manager Brad McFadden, where we discuss the most attractive global macro investment opportunities. Brad has spent almost 20 years in the trenches of the financial markets and has spent 10 years of those managing a $100 million portfolio, earning a 20% annual return on capital during his tenure. More recently, Brad's global macro portfolio more than doubled in value between 2009 and 2015, outperforming the average performance of other hedge fund managers by 16.42 percentage points. Today, Brad manages our Asymmetric Opportunities Fund at Serif. This fund is dedicated to investing in asymmetric opportunities in the currency, bond, and stock markets, and is open to individual accredited investors. To get more information about this, please send an email to me at chris at serif.vc. That's S-E-R-A-P-H dot V-C. Now, enjoy the discussion I've had with Brad. It'll give you an insight into Brad's unique way of approaching the markets, and he also talks about some specific and very compelling investment ideas he's looking at right now. Some of the things that I thought would be kind of interesting to talk about, you know, I'm looking at this current dollar weakness. The dollar's been through this fairly strong rally, so it's acceptable that we're going to have a cut, uh, a pullback in any in the currency. Yeah. So right now we're seeing that. I mean, if I look across my screens here, we've got you know, everything that we have been short Kiwi dollar, Aussie dollar, um, Remnambi, Sing dollar. They're all tearing ahead. So we always got to check your premises. So on the chart pattern, it still looks to be on a long-term basis. We're probably still in a bull market. I can't see anything that's that's diverging from that. Do you see anything that you that tells you no, no, no this is the call's wrong. You need to be out of the dollar. No, I. I- Look, you, you've had a we had a bear market on the dollar from what what two thousand and one to let's say take your pick two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve or thirteen fourteen, but essentially the dollar was in a bear market for 12, 10, 12 years. Uh, it's going to take a lot more than you know a, a rally of over two years to unwind that. And I think look, look, I think a lot of the um, the problem with the dollar right now, the pullback in the dollar, you know, the weakness in the US dollar. It's a due to is the Fed. You know, right now rates should be if you look at the, at the so-called Taylor rule. Rates should be at what three point six percent, and they're at now they're at what point five percent. The Fed funds rate, and you know, you look at the U.S. economy and all indicators, and it looks like you know, it's improving. It's doing good things. Uh, you know, rates should already be be, be materially higher, but just that the Fed has this. So terrified to raise the terrified raise raise at this point in time because they the underlying I mean even though a lot of the stats coming out say that things are okay there's there's some underlying problems as well and interestingly because if you think about it what we've got here is also oil right so every time previously you have a, a decline in the cost of energy that's you know um, the flip side is that, of that is that you could could see some resurgence in consumer spending and so on and so forth. But what we've had in the U.S., even though you have this massive decline in the cost of energy, at the same time you've had a massive decline in the production in U.S. Yes. production, right? Yes. So, so, 
you know, shale oil production, in which we've discussed many times before, is, was a complete basket case. And so that's, that's dropped off significantly. And so you're kind of staring at this underlying um, lack of, of substantial demand. And I think that's probably, you know, it's why we've got equity markets across the planet in this risk-off mode. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of, you've got so many of these different pieces. Like I'm just, you know, I woke up yesterday morning and I look and you've got this event now with the IMF, right? Which with WikiLeaks, who just published then the IMF of, uh, well, you know, they're talking behind the scenes of basically, you know, pushing Greece into some sort of uh, crisis situation. And so, you know, they're all saying, no, they, you know, they're trying to, trying to paper over what's going on there, but, it's just it's another blow to the European Union. It's another blow to the euro. It's another blow in the credibility of these people who are complete morons. And I wonder, and then I look at it and say, okay, well, we've got the euro. And then we, and then we look across the shores just north of us to Japan. And we've got this big risk-off move where the yen's rallying. And, you know, because look, I remember we were, it was back, what, 2012, I think it was, when we were, st- we were yelling to everyone to short the yen and yeah. run about yeah. 82. Yeah. So we've right, had this big run to 125, and today we're back at about 111, I think it is, as we speak. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, it's kind of looking at these contrary moves because long term, the yen's, it's, 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 um, well, they're, 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 they're insolvent. I mean, the Japanese are insolvent. I mean, and, 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 it's all it's a government purchases of JGB's accounts for all the purchases more or less. Yes, it's they just on the market. Yeah, they, they they are they are the market. Well, that's um, in currency trading. Uh, it's a very very different animal than, than than equity trading because it's a long short trade. Sure. Yeah. It's okay. Fine. You bearish on dollar. We're going to go buy. On the one side across the shores, you've got the Britain who looking at to exit. Right. So you got the the you know the famous now infamous Brexit. And then you've got this nonsense taking place internally within Europe. And this is all on the backdrop of an unfolding banking crisis in Europe. So, you know, that's, that's your alternative. And then you've got the Japanese, which, as we just discussed, is, is, um, is a bit of a basket case. And, you know, if I look at it now, the problem that we had literally, what, three months ago is, is broken as, and fundamentally flawed as the yen is the, the there was not a whole lot of asymmetry in going short the yen on utilizing options you can do it in the spot market but yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the option side of things it's just got very very expensive and now yeah. they're starting to look a little bit more attractive they are well, this, is, this is the look so we, if we go back um well the yen, case in point we go back to you know 2012 option zero very very cheap the asymmetry in those trades so the Chris, there's two things. First of all, there's your view on what's going to happen, right? And then, and then there's there's the the how much you get rewarded for for that view. Uh, now, especially trading of options. First of all, you know you've got to get your view right, and secondly, probably more importantly, you've got to make sure that when you're right on the view, you get a real big payout for it. And we go back to the yen. That was a great trade because at the end of 2012, extremely crowded on one side. Everyone's bullish to yen. And uh, well, uh, it pops, and options were very, very cheap at the same time. And the other, the other one was uh, early two thousand, early to mid two thousand fourteen. The cost of options on the U.S. dollar, be it calls on the, on the or puts on the Aussie dollar, be it um, 
uh, puts on a euro, uh, you know, you name it. But option volatility dropped to virtually record lows. Yep. And you had these massive payoffs. You could just just do any trade. I mean, dollar Singapore, whatever. Do any trade. And no one was expecting these currencies to move or the US dollar to move like it did. And it, it more than moved. Yep. Moved and that was, that, that's what was so attractive. And, you know, there you're clocking up, you know, 1,500% returns on dollar ruble. Okay, it depends where you get in and get out. But, I mean, it wasn't too hard to make, you know, 800% on that. Dollar Singapore, you were looking at, you know, between 500 and 1,000% returns. It's solely because, okay, dollar moved a little bit, didn't move a hell of a lot. Um, but the volatility across those options was cheap. Dollar remember when that first started moving. Yeah, um, it was about 3%. Yeah, that was, that was about the end of well, October 2014. Um, it moved a little bit in the next few months. You know, but you're buying vol and 3%, it spikes up to 6%. That translates to huge returns on, on the options. So that's back then it was sort of easy. It was like a no-brainer. Um, it's getting much more attractive now, although the option volatility isn't as low as what it was back in 2014. Yeah, I mean, I th- on that point, I think, and I know um, you, because um, I had a, just when I was in Singapore just recently, I was chatting with our, our mutual friend Lindley, and I know that he had mentioned it to you when he's in Sydney with you. Yeah, I think volatility is going to be with us for some time. So you know, the, this this world that we've, I kind of feel like the world that we've exited a year ago ish one of fairly significantly low volatility across the board is probably not a good barometer for us to use going forward. For example, we've got US elections coming up in November. Yep. It almost always translates into volatility. I mean, you just don't want to be short the VIX going into November. That seems like a, um, a pretty dangerous move. And that's, that's historically true. So it's, it's on a relative basis, you know, um, and I think that, a lot of these problems that we've just mentioned, Japan, Europe, um, even the US, as these problems start coming to the fore, because we're seeing cracks in the system, you know, on the periphery, right? All the emerging markets, we've seen that stuff. I mean, look at what's happened in Brazil. Um, I mean, volatility is through the roof. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, that's... Um, well, the big, the, the, big, the big challenge right now is, is, to, is to get the asymmetry in these, uh, a lot of these trades has just disappeared. So, well, you can still do it, but you've got to do it through instead of just classic um, you know, buying call options or puts doing things like bull call spreads or bear put spreads and things like that. So you can still get those returns, but it's a little more tricky now than what it was a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, look, another thing too with currency trades, they're bloody hard in the first place. They're very, very difficult. So, I've always said you've got to sort of wait till you get to extreme positions, uh, really, really crowded positions. We had that in a two, mid-2014, in a 2013. Um, it's starting to get that way in again. After the last couple of years, the crowded trades are starting to appear again. Everyone's racing into the dollar-yen. Uh, they're getting all gung-ho on the Aussie dollar again, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's, um, I'm getting interested again. I'm much more interested, but the best gains, okay, if we do make money on the currency trades going forward, I think we will, the gains aren't going to be as uh, prolific as what they were from 2014 until, what, mid last year. 
That can still be done. Which kind of brings me to equities. Yep. So if we look across the equity space, and if, you, if you're purely looking for decimated markets and those where that volatility is, um, is not prevalent to the same extent that it is in maybe the currency markets now, you look at something like resources. So precious metals are quite interesting and the equities behind them, even uh, oil, you know, there are the oil majors, you know, we're looking at some of these, and they're looking increasingly attractive. I think some, I think on the base metal side of things, it's t- it's still too early. However, in certainly in the precious metals and in energy, there's some very interesting stuff opening up there. Yeah, particularly precious precious metals really are, and and strange enough, the options aren't, you know, the the view bullish, right? Um, a, a great way of hedging if your one's wrong on the US dollar as well. If the dollar does weaken more or materially so, then gold takes off. And you know, so for me, I look at the, the, a bullish position on gold or gold miners a hedge to a bullish position on, U, on, the, on the US dollar. But what's attractive about the gold gold miners is options don't cost very much. That's sort of an anomaly. Well, that's you know, that's the thing when you look at you buying options on currencies. You don't have that much of a long time frame. You know, you're sort of Correct. Years out. 12, 12 but, months. Best but, yeah. yeah. But, but on some of these some of these issues, you can get you know, five years out. Yep. And so that when you're going from two to five years, you're more than doubling your exposure time frame. And you're often only doing it for you know, maybe another 50% pay. 30%? Or 30%. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, well, that, it's that's asymmetry just in the structuring. That's, of that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, they're, they're, look, they're a beautiful thing. And the, and the way the Black-Scholes model is, works is it, 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 it works in a, in, a, in a non-linear fashion. The cost of a call for 12 months does not double if you go to two years, only increased by about 50%. Mm-hmm. And if you go from one year to three years, it doesn't increase by 200%, it increases by about probably 70%. The biggest concern, and you know, as traders, you and I know this, the biggest thing is timing, right? And so... If you can buy yourself some of that timing, um, you massively reduce your overall risk. Well, yeah, you, you yeah. Know, and, and, if, and if time is cheap too, you don't have to be so particular yep. about, 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 about timing the market. Mm-hmm. And you know, why, why time the market? Well, if time is expensive, okay, or, yeah. or, 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 or if you or your clients lack patience, well, that's when you guys you know, obviously try and time the market. But talking about equities and, and Europe and these five-year options, I know people are talking about the uh, European equity market, well, European banks looking uh, like toxic waste. And maybe they are, who knows? All I know is these things are trading at half book value, so they already are priced for, for bankruptcy when it's all said and done. So something worse than that has to happen. But anyway, that's, that's one thing. Um, the other thing which is most remarkable is how cost of those long-term options on those European banks is minuscule. It's you know, you'd think that the, the cost of these options would be through the roof. But someone out there is so desperate to sell volatility that, vol- look, for example, you can buy an at-the-money call option now on UBS. About five years to expiry, okay? Or, yeah, more or less five years to expiry. And it's only going to cost you about 15% in premium. Mm. So all UBS is going to do is move up 15 20% next next five years and you'll break even. It's just insane how cheap these things are. Likewise, with things like Royal Dutch Shell and ING, uh, Volkswagen, another one. You know, so 
you know, for all its issues, which are more than priced in now, I think, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take much to buy, a, well, buying a five-year call option on, on VW only has to move. I think I, I looked at 21% in the next five years and you'll break even. It's just remarkable. And it's one of those things, Chris, where you can't explain why this is happening. All I know is it is happening. And all I know is that I don't have to get too many right to, to make a decent hourly rate. Well, I mean, I guess to your point of why it's happening, you've got this incredible risk off move. The other, the other thing, you know, when, you, when you're delving into companies like Volkswagen, what is also kind of important to remember here is that you know, we we started off this discussion talking about the euro and how yep. broken that is, and that there's there's this failed experiment which is now coming to the fore. Doesn't seem to fail to me. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's failing. Look, it is failing, and it's being held together with paper, rocks, and scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but it's in part, in large part, it's actually just you know it's it's remained in existence to a large extent because of the actual alternatives out there, which are maybe not equally as bad, but they're, you know, equally disastrous. And so that's sort of held it together. But if you if you think through what it means to have the euro go away in the shape and form that it's in today, it's going to have to be a devaluation of a fairly uh, significant nature, yeah. whether we go back to having the drachma and the, the lira and a, a number of other currencies, I don't really know what that looks like. But suffice it to say, it's likely that we're going to see a significant devaluation in the euro as that, as that plays through. If that's the case, and it seems a reasonable thing to consider, what then happens to a company like Volkswagen, which has its costs in euro? Yeah. The answer is that its profit margins expand, becomes significantly more competitive um, than Chinese or Korean or other alternatives. And so you can play, the one side, you can play the currency, which is essentially shorting the euro, and being long something like Volkswagen, which is going to actually benefit from that. You raised raised two very good points. And and so first of all, what's what Howard Marks used to say, the outlook's not great, but is it that bad? I mean, mean, what is is priced into the market? Okay, so you take Volkswagen. Um, on its own right, it's trading about half book value and forward PE of seven, et cetera, et cetera. So pretty much everything you know, has been priced in that thing already. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and still volatility is very, very cheap. But what makes it thing, it's almost like a free option. If we do see material downside in the euro, BW takes off to the stratosphere. Um, you know things like Royal Dutch Shell would hold its own and do very very well. Daimler Chrysler, all those big exporters would do exceptionally well. And you might even surprise that European banks do okay as well. Um, but that is not being priced in by the market. So you buying a again five year call option on, let's say Volkswagen now, you almost you you are getting a five year put for free on the euro. On the euro. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and for and for probably cheaper than you would if you went directly into the currency markets. Because oh, heck yeah. It's, it's, heck uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's the attractiveness of those, you know, a, a, a five-year call option on options on the big European exporters. Very good. What about the yen? Looking looking attractive, somewhat more attractive now. Well, uh, it's a lot more attractive now that all the you know you now it's broken those those support lines now at what one eighteen, one seventeen, whatever it was, and 
and a lot of the trend traders have been thrown in and throwing the towel and getting out and everyone's starting to talk about now this thing here going down to 105, whatever, it's great. Probably, you know, my concern with the, with the yen, um, you know, which I was saying for, uh, you know, ever since it sort of got up to the, the 120, 125 level, is that it started becoming a little bit too popular, a little bit too crowded. So you need to have some sort of uh, meltdown, shakeout like what we've had, and which is what we're going through right now. So, you know, the, the, poorly, lever- the poorly financed margin traders have been now kicked out of the trade to a large extent. Now it's free to then now move, move higher again. And the market will only go one way when it's um, uh, not in a crowded position. Correct, because you need to have that, that asymmetry built up. In order for that move to take place. Yeah, yeah, yep. Which is, um, you've got to have lots of margin. You know, you know if, there's, if there's lots of if there's lots of marginal uh, uh, buyers, it's going to go higher. If there's lots of marginal sellers, it will go lower. And which is, which is exactly really why we um, why we need to have the dollar consolidating as it is now. Yeah. Because if you think about, like, if I look at the forgetting about technical analysis or anything of that nature, most every scenario that I think through. At this point in time, translates into dollar, into dollar strength. European uh, difficulties in Europe. Where are you going to move to? Well, you've got the you've got the yen and you've got the dollar, and so we're seeing a you know resurgence into the yen anyway. Problems in China, which we're seeing in the banking, and a massive capital flight. It's you know where are you, where are you going to hide? And you you need in order to hide today in in the world that we live in today, hiding means liquidity. To a large extent, because yes. you, there isn't certainty. The, the certainty that existed when um, you and I were babes doesn't exist today. You know that's that's a world gone, and so liquidity is more important now than necessarily sort of asset protection, so to speak. And so liquidity is to be found in treasuries, U.S. treasuries. That's the most still king number one. Uh, so say we'll, we'll see when the time comes for when when rate, rates start to rise or inflation starts to show its true its, its ugly head, but liquidity certainly isn't a dollar. And but you, and you also raise a good point there. You know, so if you, you know, seriously, if you if you get out of the US, you go into Europe, you know, you go and you're not going to leave in cash there because you get negative rates. So if you go and put into a, you know a, a well, three month rates also negative. If you go and put into um, uh, bullions, you're going to get pretty much back less than what you you gave the German government, you know, in less than five years. Likewise, in Switzerland, Japan. I mean, <clears throat> do people actually think of the consequences of getting out of the dollar and getting into these other currencies? I don't, I think it's very very short sighted. So yeah, look, I'm pretty cool. I think a little more downside would be great. Shake out these weak hands on the likes of the yen. Um, shake a few more out on the euro, and likewise with Swissy and this thing things back. When, when a, you know, rate rises, when are they going to happen? It's not, it's not a case of if, it's when. Well, it's, I mean, we're in this strange world where you've got, you know, um, <laughs> ZERP, which has turned into NERP. Oh, that's and, ridiculous in the first place. Uh, and, and you can't keep going down that road, not without significant consequences, which is actually, you know, because one of the other topics that we just discussed was precious metals, right? Yep. So, um, you know, the asymmetry that's building up there. And look, that may well build up for some time. We, we could see gold go back down to 800, 650 is possible on a technical chart. 
I mean, I'd love it if that was the case because, man, that that would be, you know, the time to probably sell the farm. Uh, you know, certainly at some point in time, um, fundamentals do matter. It's, a, it's you know, on a, on a short-term short -term basis, fundamentals don't matter. Market sentiment is everything. They don't. They don't. They can correct that it doesn't matter. Nothing. And nothing's changed fundamentally, Chris. Like the last, mm. you know, last 12 months, nothing's changed. I mean, look at the US economy relative to the, other, the world economies. It just keeps on powering here. It's doing very, very well. Yeah, on a relative um, basis. On yeah. a relative basis. I mean, Europe's not doing so bad. Japan's a basket case and booby. I mean, emerging markets are getting... Uh, emerging markets, you know, they're, they're paying for <clears> all the, the fantastic time they had from 2002, 2003 to 2012. Um China is overspent. It's got a significant excess capacity, and that's going to be worked off over years. The US dollar is the best, the best of a bad bunch, and quite frankly, I don't think the US dollar is that bloody bad. Fundamentally, look, anyway, fundamentally, for me, Yan will have to raise rates sooner rather than later if current trends remain in place. Inflation keeps picking up, which it is. You look at core inflation in the US, that's picking up quite quickly. It has been so doing so for like the last six months. The economy is doing good. Uh, you know, the, you look at the employment situation, that's improving, which is indicative of, you know, strength in the US economy. Look, the list goes on. So, you know, the biggest risk, I think, is the, the Fed actually not raising rates. And the biggest risk is Yellen seeing there being more risks of not raising rate more risks of not raising rates and raising that's a strange irony of it <clears throat> yeah last question brad yeah one trade you got one uh, you've got let's have a think about it like this we have mm, five years right to put our money somewhere and you can't touch it for you five can't touch it for five years You're locked up in a jail cell one trade i only allowed okay um It'll be a call option on the uh, Eurostox 50. Very good. Oh, okay, well, very good. We'll, we'll see what the, how it transpires five years from now. But look, that, okay, what are we, what are we looking at here? We're looking at a market that no one wants to touch with a barge pole. I don't know who's left to sell of European equities. And I even talks about, you know, the issues that Europe's got. But, you know, Daimler, Chrysler, Heineken, um, uh, you know, the list goes on. I mean, these these are global companies, as global as the Dow, Dow is. Yeah. Um, uh, who's left to sell these things? Everyone is 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 banged up in the safety of so-called safety of the Swiss bond market, German bond market, French bond market. Uh, no one dares wants to hold equity, so there's a massive potential uh, pull of marginal buyers for European equities. Very few marginal sellers, I think. Valuations. Price to book, I think about 1.4 times for the Eurostox 50, which yeah. is half half the the S and P 500. Likewise, its price to sales, its P ratio is a bit less than Euro, a bit less than the US. Um, so valuations like ex exceptionally easy to get fantastic value there. No one's got anything positive to say about these things because that's obviously why valuations are the way they are. Okay. But the hidden thing, and, and, and we can get five-year call options. In fact, we want to get longer, Chris, we can. Nine years if you want. Nine-year call options. I was talking about this with Grant on, uh, on Real Vision TV last week when I had the interview with him a week before. But the big hidden thing in there is it's a, a five-year call on the Eurostock 50 equity market. It's a five-year put on the euro, and you get that put yeah. for free. 
Yeah. It's a great hedge within one trade. Or one in one trade. I yeah. like it. Very good. Well, I look forward to more of these conversations, especially in San Diego. Um, yeah, it'll be good. Looking forward to it. Be good, uh, good to catch up with everyone there. I know, I know the session we had in uh, New Zealand last year in Auckland was was great. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it's a it's a bit of a mind warp. It's always enjoyable. This one's going to be. I think this is going to be our best ever. So yeah, there's some there's some but, there's some big names you got there this this year, Chris. Some of those names, um, I'm really interested in meeting myself. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We've got this world which is presenting a lot of asymmetry in multiple things, both in public markets and then certainly in the private. Um, you know, in my professional career, I've never seen these sorts of setups before. It's, and certainly on the one side of things, it's, it's, I won't, I won't lie when I say that it's um, a little bit frightening. Yeah. You wake up in the morning and you look at some of these things and you, you do scratch your head. And you wonder how to position accordingly. But on the other side of things, you you know you realise that there's so much potential in it. And you know we we've just discussed some of the some of the wins, right? With the um, the yen and the dollar. You know when I was back in 2014. There's yeah. these you know these are the kind of trades which actually don't. If you go across in a lifetime, that you only need a few of those. Yeah, that's it. That, that that that's it. The, def- the definition of asymmetry. I- you know, we talked about the, the ruble trade, which was, oh, let's say, you know, the thousand percent return. The Singapore dollar is the same. The Japanese yen wasn't far from it. I mean, you only have to get one of these trades right every now and then. I mean, think about it: a thousand, a thousand percent return, which is not hard to get, right? Mm-hmm. If four stars are aligned, makes up for ten other losses. You know, you break even there. Um, and cheap as a bug, never better. I, I, I fancy my chances getting a better hit rate than one in ten. That's for sure. Uh, the other thing is, Brad, that the, you know these the, the 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 asymmetry that exists today is far greater than it's ever been because of think so. the monetary um, inflation and because of the monetary, ex- you know, frankly, experiments by central bankers that have pushed things to the limits that would never have. Uh, the market forces that have been there in the past to correct these have not. They've been stymied in this in this situation, and so it's just built. Um, ever increasing asymmetry in a number of these markets, which is, as I mentioned, it's it's both frightening as well as exciting. Well, you know, I've I've got a few years on my belt now. You know, I've, I think I've sort of been in, involved in markets now in a professional capacity since '97. And uh, one of the things I've learned in this game is, you know, the, the the more you the more you try and alter market forces. The more government gets involved and, and thinkers with the market, the greater consequences will be. And if you'd ask me, one of the big things right now, uh, my big concern, and it's also it's, the only concern is being on the right side of things because there's massive asymmetry. What is the consequences of all this monetary easing that has occurred and continues to occur? Uh, the consequences of the Fed not raising rates. Rates should be three and a half percent now, that point five percent. You know, for every action, what, what's it? Um, you know, was it Einstein's law and Newton's law? For every action, is an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that's in the physical sciences, in the behavioral sciences. For every action, there can be a big, bigger, or a bigger consequence to any action. And we're seeing a bunch of that. And we're going to see it. We're going to we're going to pay it as big, if not bigger, as all the monetary easing has been. There's going to be a, a consequence to that. And and the only thing I worry about, Chris, 
is just being on the right side of whatever transpires because it's going to be big. Well, two things. One is being on the right side. I, don't, I mean, it's not particularly difficult to understand and to see which side that is, right? But one is, of course, timing. The other is the social implications of how this unfolds because how people react. I mean, here's you and I, traders, that are um, allocating capital um, and making money from this. But how do... How, you know what are the social consequences that people have and you know you've I've, i grew up in africa you've lived there you've seen some of those things take place in when you've had currency collapses and when you've had social breakdown and, and uh, social institutions collapsing and remember those are from people that actually um, have have lived with us in the past so they, they almost expect it and yeah. what we're looking at now is the developed world who are wholly unprepared so the, the you know the social implications that roll through from this are quite quite significant, and that's that's one thing that does worry me. Yeah, it, 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 it does scare me. But yes. but but then the flip you know when you look at it, so how do you prepare for that? Well, you prepare you prepare for it by by making as much money as you can and, and protecting yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you know, one one shouldn't worry about the price of oil going to two dollars a barrel. You know, not that I'm saying it is, but if you can position to you know to make money on that doing that thing, one shouldn't worry about interest rates going a heck of a lot higher or inflation you know, spiking a lot more and whatever and ever and visits in the wildest dreams as long as you're on the right side of that. I mean, you can you can do very, very well. Um, exceptionally well. So it's, again, nothing to be worried about. It's just, it's the opportunity cost of being on the wrong, wrong you know, well, you know, running out of time for your view to play out or, you know, or, or having the wrong view to start, to start off with. I don't think having the wrong view is the issue. I think that's pretty straightforward, as you said. It's just... It's positioning and it's, it's allocating of risk. It's understanding, you know, when to... Because, you know, you can get in too early. <clears throat> can cost you so, severely. Um, and then it's also, uh, you know, putting in too much too early. That's right. You can, yeah. you can, you can lose patience yourself or your clients can lose patience. And, and um, that's... But usually, what happens is, I mean, you may have the view, the the right view and the right right way of doing things, but um, risk. client, yeah, client, clients. Well, it's probably managing their expectations as well. Um, but uh, look, we have the with, the good thing is we have these instruments where you can take a view. You've got five years to to play out. It's it's not costing too much money. It's costing very little, in fact, and. Uh, the hardest part, Chris, of sitting back and waiting. It's always the hardest part is um, yeah. is doing nothing, but it's often the best thing to. Well, it's not doing nothing. It's actually um, having the fortitude to do something in the face of something that nobody else is doing, right? True contrarianism. And it's the ability to do nothing and to uh, and to. And when I say do nothing, you know, it's it's and you know we have these conversations all the time. It's stress testing all of those. Yes. and throwing rocks at them because, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I learned very early on was, um, you know, the trader with an ego does not, <laughs> does not remain a trader very long. No, exactly. <clears throat> Throw it out pretty quick. So yeah. um, you take ego off the board and you just trade. Very good. All right. Yeah. Time. Chris, thanks, mate. That was a good, good chat. Thank you for tuning in. CapEx Big Question Podcast is sponsored by Seraph an exclusive, private, global network of individual investors and family offices dedicated to growing their wealth exponentially by investing in game-changing global trends.
To learn more about Serif, go to serif.vc. That's S-E-R-A-P-H dot V for Vicky, C for Charlie.